This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Cheney Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline, Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast. I am Zach Lee, and this is as excited as I'm going to be in this second for this entire podcast because... I, you, we root for a god-awful goddamn football team that has the worst offense in the National Football League, and it isn't particularly close. For a long time there, I thought the Cowboys, uh, they might have it, and the Redskins, the football team, golly, hey, that was their name, you know, it's not like I sat here and said a racial epithet, except I did, please don't cancel me, it's the name of the team as of last year, the football team. Uh, certain certain quarters of the Philadelphia Eagles, Danny Dimes on the Giants. The Bears are the worst offensive football team I've seen since mm, maybe the Craig Krenzel, Jonathan Quinn Bears football team of the mid-2000s. The Chicago Bears lost today 24-17 to the Tennessee Titans. Dropping their record on the year to five and four. That's three straight losses. And now the season is going sideways. I think we all knew that they would be troubled on offense this year, given, well, you know, I can't even say that. I think, at least for me personally, I was hopeful that the transition to Foles would happen and there would be a higher floor than the Trubisky roller coaster. Uh, and so the Bears would have a chance to win games given the quality of their defense and having a solid game manager in a quarterback. And then the, that was buttressed, word of the day, I've decided right now, by the first two weeks of the season where the Bears seemingly were able to run the ball. Now, that was with Mitch behind center uh, and a few less injuries on the offensive line. But it there was a moment of hope there. It really gave you something to believe in. And here we are, eight weeks later, and the box score is a lie. It's fake news. Don't look at the box score. Don't look at the highlights. We're not going to talk about that very much tonight because watching this team on the offensive side of the football for three quarters, 
I had to go shovel shit out of my yard uh, today, dog shit out of my yard so that I could wheelbarrow wood chips back and forth from the in front of my driveway to the backyard. And I couldn't wait to go do that because the Bears were so bad on offense. I wanted to go pick up shit more than watch the Bears take snaps behind center on a Sunday. Nothing works. Nothing works. First of all, Nick Foles isn't good. And I think, you know, looking back at his performance with Philadelphia, it's hard not to look at his support system and think that's really the entire reason that his success happened. I can't explain his unbelievable run under Chip Kelly, uh, which was, you know, a fluke most of one season towards the beginning of his career that, you know, was never repeated again until he was back with the Eagles under Peterson. But he had Frank Reich, and he had an absolute monster of an offensive line, so much so that the dude's eyes never had to fall down whatsoever. He simply called plays, threw to playmakers, and let them make plays in space. That is not possible uh, with the Chicago Bears. And so it strikes me now watching him play football that his eyes are, are downfield for about half a second each play. He dumps the ball out of bounds. He's constantly throwing it away. There's just nothing really to speak of that he does well. There were certainly a couple of good throws along the way. One down the sideline to Jimmy Graham in the first drive of the game. Uh, one to Anthony Miller, I believe, in the third quarter. And if you look at the box score, which I really recommend you don't because you'll think the Bears are good or at least passable, he is able to deliver the football. But my God, uh, he his lack of foot speed and his jumpiness in the pocket, rightly so, understandably, given the quality of the offensive line, doesn't really give the Bears a place to begin uh, on offense. There's no way to develop any kind of rhythm. Just looking at the quarterback position. Then you add in the fact that it's the worst run team in the league and it isn't particularly close. Then you add in the fact that they're the most penalized team in the league. And I'm just sitting there watching Matt Nagy on the sideline, um, calling plays, making little red marks next to his plays. And I, sorry, I, it falls on him. This is the sloppiest offensive football team I've seen in a very long time. And the difference between all those previous Bears offensive teams that were absolute dog crap and this one is that Matt Nagy was hired because he was an offensive guru, because he was a development uh, machine, uh, a quarterback development machine. He knew Andy Reid's offense. It was going to be explosive and multiple and dynamic and forward-thinking, and um, it is none of those things. And I'm so tired of the excuses. Not only am I so tired of the excuses, I'm really tired of these wasted defensive efforts. The Bears are a really good defensive football team, and if you look at, I think it was through three quarters, the Bears had uh, outgained the Titans. It just so happened that the a couple of plays, one incredible play by A.J. Brown down the sidelines uh, for their touchdown, and then uh, the Bears committing a couple of turnovers was really the difference in the game. The defense did what it did as long as it could until it was on the field so long 
that they broke and wore down and gave up points there at the end. I can't blame them for any of that. And I certainly am tired uh, as a fan and as an observer of watching these really quality uh, defensive efforts get wasted week in, week out, given how many teams across the league would kill to have half the talent the Bears have on defense. I suppose we shouldn't go any further without talking about the offensive line and that the Bears uh, were severely hampered going into this game. The only starter, excuse me, there were two week one starters that started today. I thought it was going to be one, but Jermaine Effetti at right guard was able to get off the reserve COVID list and suit up for this game. He uh, was not COVID positive, but he'd been a close contact of Jason Spriggs and Cody Whitehair. And so they held him out until he tested negative. He and Charles Leno started uh, on the offensive line. And then at left guard, we had uh, Arlington Hambright last year's, one of last year's seventh round picks that uh, never uh, under any circumstances should have seen the field in in a regular season NFL football game at center Alex bars. He's never played center. He was the bears backup swing tackle guard, whatever you want to call it. And at right tackle, you have my least favorite current bear. And that is Richard coward. Now, when I say least favorite, let's just like exist in a space where I don't hate this man. I don't think he's a bad person. I hope he has a lovely family and they're well provided for and he's a happy guy and he does well in life. I sports hate the fuck out of Richard Coward. He reminds me of Frank Omayal with less professionalism. He reminds me of Jamarcus Webb with less um, a cutesy appeal for liking sweets and snacks. He's really bad at football. And we're going to talk about the offensive line and their performance, but I think what we're going to talk about more and more is Ryan Pace and that he uh, deemed this group not just a passable offensive line, but one that, that the team could succeed with. And I think you'll see upon a little bit more analysis that not only was he dead wrong, but he actually was derelict in his duties to provide the Bears with a solid position group that would allow the rest of the team to succeed. This The offensive line is sinking not just the offense, not just the run game, not just the pass game, but the Bears' season. The whole team, the 53, can't play given the state of the offensive line. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown, shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. 
Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The Tennessee Titans were the second worst or worst, depending upon who you ask and what stats you read, second worst or worst uh, pass rushing team in football. Not only that, Jadavian Clowney was out today with a knee injury and may be out for uh, several weeks to come. So not only is this team really, really bad at getting after the quarterback, the one guy who can isn't going to play. And yet, and yet, the Bears gave up three sacks, four tackles for loss, and nine, count them nine, quarterback hits. Good Lord. Now you're saying to yourself, look, Zach, that's all well and good. But, you know, uh, Bears had a tough week. You know, they got nobody to suit up on their offensive line. Uh, I don't want to burst your bubble, but um, the San Francisco 49ers have had to totally rejigger their offensive line. The Kansas City Chiefs have been without multiple starters for multiple weeks this year. All across the NFL, there are COVID issues, injury issues, soft tissue injuries, you name it, and no one looks this inept. It is a melange of blown blocks, poor plays that don't put the offense in any position to succeed, and then uh, poor play by the quarterback, drops or and or fumbles by skill position players. It really is a little bit of everything. So when it when it's everything, you just kind of have to go up the ladder to the person who's responsible for everything. And I know everybody's going to say Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy. And yeah, to a certain extent, that's absolutely true. But I think you need to go higher. I think the fire is going up the ladder just a bit more to the guys in the front office. So let's start with Nagy. The Bears uh, are driving down the field uh, in their first drive of the game. They've got their scripted plays, and it's actually a decent drive. But they get to a fourth and one. I don't know what he's supposed to do in this instance because there's no play call that he can call where you feel good about what's going to happen. And uh, I know that I was just criticizing the guy, but literally, what can he do? It's a handoff to David Montgomery for one yard, simply one, and they can't get it done. So they turn it over on downs and immediately it's head hanging time. Uh, later in the game, another fourth down, Nagy just decides... We need one yard. We're going to pass for it. And the ball gets knocked down. It, it, it seems obvious to me. And again, I'm just a casual observer of the sport. And I, I have no present and or future in the league and personnel. But if you're building a team, you have your quarterback draft picks that are 50-50 propositions at best, depending upon where you're drafting and how you're developing them. It seems like the hit rate for offensive linemen is a hell of a lot higher. So let's just kind of like pivot right now and talk about the offensive line and how Ryan Pace has built it. I think we've done this a little bit before, but like let's rehash it again because that's all this is really about at this point. Like I kind of want to talk about things other than this game because it was so disheartening. Left tackle Charles Leno is no longer a, a, a viable NFL starter. Now, you may disagree with that and say that this this guy has been a um, Pro Bowl alternate pass blocker before. I am watching this guy go out into space and trying to block at the second level. Go back. You know what? 
let me give you one play. Go back to the Rams game and go back and look at the Cordero Patterson blown up fourth down run and watch Charles Leno try to block uh, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey is a cornerback and he's a damn good one. He's an all pro. He's the kind of guy you trade two first round picks for. Charles Leno is a left tackle in the NFL and can't block a cornerback. And I don't mean that Jalen Johnson kind of like slipped around him and, you know, was too agile for him. I mean, Jalen Johnson ran into Charles Leno and set the edge uh, and stopped the play. Charles Leno can't block a man that's 100 pounds lighter than him. He has to go. Left guard, it's bad luck. It's James Daniels. As is always the case in Chicago, the player that isn't in the game is the one that you think is the difference maker. It's the backup QB conundrum. It is also a situation here where uh, Daniels had played pretty, pretty well early this season, and they had him as a pulling guard frequently, had David Montgomery running behind him. It was a pretty good look. Center, Cody Whitehair, calf injury, still out. Doesn't look like he's back anytime soon. OPS, he has COVID. Then you've got right guard, and this is really indicative of the dereliction of duty. Jermaine Effetti was a failed first-round pick with the Seattle Seahawks as a tackle. And the thought was, well, he wasn't able to get it done as a tackle, but we can pop him inside and uh, use him as a guard. And at the same time, we'll put Richard Coward as his competition. Those guys, those guys can fight it out in camp, and whichever one comes out you know, ahead, that's going to be the starter for this year. That is a fail. It's a fail going in. And if you look at any other offensive line of football, you'll see that no one would make that kind of decision going into a season and feel good about that possibility. To say nothing of depth, to say nothing of what you're trying to set up uh, for the rest of your roster, just in terms of like, hey, our starting right guard. And to not have a plan, to not be able to spend money in an effective way uh, to allow your team to succeed, it just says a lot about the foresight of the general manager. And so the way it's going to go now, and this is not a new thing for Pace. It's been an issue every single year where there's always a position group that's so subpar that it's been sinking the team. And I understand that you can't fix everything all at once. But the big issue is that Pace is spending assets, both in money and in draft picks, way above and beyond what he has to. And it's made the ability to fill in depth and quality and a large position group such as offensive line in any sort of effective way. Last year, it was the tight end group. We had 11 dudes and none of them could, could get the job done. So this year... All the draft capital and all the money. Jimmy Graham, uh, way more money than anybody would, would have imagined he needed. You could have easily gotten Eric Ebron for less money. And then there's Cole Komet. Dear Cole Komet, uh, the ghost of the Chicago Bears, who uh, apparently saw the field today. I, I do remember seeing him a couple times. And I did think for just a second when a white guy caught a touchdown pass late in the game in garbage time, that dear Cole Komet had gotten his second uh, TD reception of the year. Alas, it was Ryan Nall who was in the game because David Montgomery went out with a shoulder stinger and a possible concussion because he was getting smashed all day long by the Tennessee Titans defensive line and linebackers. Cole Komet, I don't know, I inexplicable. So the Bears spend all their assets at tight end in the offseason. 
And they do get a new cornerback in Jalen Johnson, who looks good. But they leave offensive line alone to the po- to the tune of we'll get Jermaine Effetti and we'll get two seventh rounders and hope for the best that they're developmental guys. And I'm sorry, this was the issue last year, too. The Bears have been uh, bad running the football is is the best I can say. And it cost Harry Highstand his job last year. It's going to cost Juan, Juan Castillo his job, uh, and it may cost a whole lot of other guys their jobs down the line. Ryan Pace traded up for Leonard Floyd, uh, I believe is a fourth-round pick that he gave up there. He traded up for Nick, Nick Kwiatkowski. I think he gave up an extra sixth-rounder there. He traded up for Mitch Trubisky. It was a third and a fourth-rounder there. He traded up to get Anthony Miller. He traded up to get uh, uh, Mooney. He traded up to get David Montgomery. And in the moment, you say, that's fine. We got our guy. But this is where it shows up. It's the depth of the team. And obviously, this is an exacerbated game because, you know, you don't expect to have three, four starters out and three or four reserves out. But other teams are able to get through these injuries and still have viable NFL players on on the squad. Even if they're not great, they're viable NFL players. It doesn't sink your entire team. Uh, Ryan Pace has failed at his job. He's failed to choose the right quarterback. It's arguable he's failed to choose the right head coach. I will say about Matt Nagy, I do like the coach, his ability to keep guys together, uh, to stay responsible and organized uh, during a pandemic. Seems like a good person. He doesn't throw people under the bus. He's just a really bad play caller and can't seem to organize an offense uh, given this the skill position talent that he has and uh, offensive line talent that he has. Can't seem to find a winning formula until three and a half quarters through the game. Uh, I call it the Bears garbage offense because they only show up in garbage time. And that's kind of what it is. So 24 to 17 is the final score, but uh, it was... I want to say 24 to 3 24 to 3 before the Bears started, you know, scoring under prevent defense circumstances. I was sitting there in the second quarter just thinking if we can get Nick Foles some tempo and some very quick short passes, they might be able to string together a couple of drives. That started happening late in the third quarter from Nagy, and it can't happen. There were long play-action passes, long fake developing play-action passes. There were naked bootlegs. There were Montgomery throws. There were fakes to Cordero Patterson. All of this stuff that he's drawing up is being drawn up in an ideal world for an ideal team, and that's not the team he has. So I don't know what to say. If your scheme requires perfection and multiple reads from your quarterback. If your scheme requires um, precise route running from every single uh, wide receiver and they all need to know the positions because they're so switchable and multiple. If your scheme requires uh, game-breaking tight ends that can both block and run so as uh, block and catch so as not to give away the intention of a play. If your scheme requires high-end offensive line talent uh, in order to get plays blocked up and execute uh, the intent of the play, 
far be it for me to say that, that your scheme is fucking high maintenance and isn't really good. Good schemes take the talent that's out there and say, this is the defense we're up against and these are the guys we got. These are plays that will work given those constraints. That's what a good coach does. That's what a good offensive schemer calls. That's what a play caller can do. He he hasn't shown the ability to do any of those things. So as I rail on and on and on and on and on and on about these things, let me stop for a second. Let me read an ad. Let me come back. Let's talk about a few good things. And then let's just kind of talk about what's next because uh, big inflection point of the season right here for the Bears. And um, despite the fact that they are five and four and still a positive team, it does feel like the season is slipping away. So quick break. Be right back. The wait is finally over. Football is back. I mean, it's been back for a while, but now it's extra back. You might not be at a game this year, although you might. They just keep rolling them in there every week. There seems to be 2,000 more people sneaking in. But you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Sorry, tangent. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. You can be like me, where you bet a four-team teaser and feel awesome about it and win the first three games, and then unknowingly, Aaron Rodgers shits the bed against the Buccaneers, and your teaser dies again, and you live to play another day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, we're back. Now, I, I do want to talk about a couple things that went really well. And uh, number one is, I can't believe I have to do this. The punt returner, Dwayne Harris, was a really nice street free agent pickup. He fields every single punt. He has dope hair. And uh, he does seem to be able to find yards where there aren't any usually. So he's been actually a great find for the Bears and gives them an opportunity to get decent field position, if not a game-breaking kind of field position. Uh, I think that Roquan Smith has gone to a Pro Bowl level. Um, you might be even be able to say a little bit more, but whatever failures he was having, and I think what was holding him back early this season was missed tackles rather than not being in the right position and not filling the right gap. Uh, Roquan had 11 tackles today, a sack, two tackles for loss, and a QB hit. He was all over the field. He was fantastic. He was the leader of the defense. Um, Mario Edwards Jr. had a sack. Again, another guy that was found on the street off of waivers. Been a really good find and a really good addition to this team. And then uh, Jalen Johnson had two uh, passes defensed, I think, right in a row. And just really, really, really good. Uh, he also didn't give up that deep throw that's been the bugaboo for him these last few games. So... You have to like all of that. Khalil Mack, still obviously injured, uh, had a really bad ankle injury two games ago that, you know, well, he was just a complete decoy uh, last week against the Saints. He was here, uh, made some good run stops, but he is not pressuring the quarterback, and he's really just kind of hanging in there to let other guys get shine. The Bears did stop the run today, and you have to give them credit for that. A lot of that was run blitzes uh, coming off of um, – 
the the scheme adjustments they were going to make just so that they could put it on Ryan Tannehill and make Derrick Henry uh, not the focal point of the team. So 21 carries for 68 yards for Derrick Henry, which feels like a gigantic win for the Bears. And Tannehill, you know, he he wasn't really that good. 10 for 21 for 158 yards and two touchdowns. The two touchdowns are rough because um, one of them was off of an Anthony Miller fumble. Stop me if you heard this before. Anthony Miller has uh, issues holding on to the ball and catching the ball. And then the other was an absolute dime throw. I can't take anything away from anybody involved. It was well covered by the Bears, by Buster Screen. He dropped it right down the chimney, right into A.J. Brown's hands, all pro A.J. Brown, and t- uh, Tutty for the for the Tennessee Titans. I, I, can't, I can't take anything away from anybody. I can't even be mad about it. It's just one of those things that happened. But by and large, the Bears' defense bottled up the Tennessee offense, and Given the way the Tennessee Titans have played so far this year, you would think if you were able to bottle up the offense that well for that long, you'd actually uh, win the game because they can't cover and they can't rush the passer. It really, really hurt when David Montgomery, who never, ever fumbles, put one on the ground on a screen pass uh, that never really had a chance, and it got taken back to the house for the Titans. So it's 24-17 to is the final score, but you know seven of those right there are on a fluky crappy turnover that, um, you know, it happened. It happened. David Montgomery, by the way, injured, like I said, stinger, as well as a concussion. He got the absolute living shit uh, knocked out of him in, in this game. And really, I feel so bad for the kid because he obviously wants to be great. He has absolutely nowhere to run. Uh, there are guys in the backfield on every single play. The number of times I saw a Bears offensive lineman staring in the backfield, looking back at the guy he was supposed to block as he, you know, wreaked havoc on whoever was carrying the ball. Uh, I lost count. I kind of lost count. So where do the Bears go from here? They're five and four. Uh, They have lost their stranglehold on a playoff spot. It is now going to be up to not just them to find some semblance of a viable offensive football team so that they can score points and create balance between the three phases and um, find a way to eke out a win. This is just like last year, you know, like uh, I think we sat here on multiple nights and uh, it just seemed like an impossibility that the Bears would find a way to win a football game, given their struggles on offense. I remember the Philadelphia Eagles game where they had the most inept offensive half of football in like recent NFL history. I don't even want to say recent. It might just be of all time, but it was just so God awful that, um, yeah, what, what can you say? The Bears had zero points in the first half. Stop me if you've heard this before. And I believe they had, yep, nope, they didn't score in the third quarter either. They had the Montgomery uh, pick or fumble return for a touchdown, so seven points for the Titans. So the Bears' offense scored negative seven points through three quarters. Then it became garbage time, which, you know, this is what the Bears do. It's just three and a half quarters of, you know, wanting to tell everybody you know that you hate this team, hate the coach, hate everybody, need everybody to go. And then a half a quarter of weirdly building hope and weirdly making you feel okay-ish about the fact that they lost. I don't feel okay today. I think that's, you know, very, very obvious. Uh, I'm trying to find some other bright spots. Riley Ridley had uh, one really good catch and was in the game for the first time this year. Seemed like a decent addition to the offense. I feel bad for him because, again, there's nowhere... There's nowhere in the offense for him. 
if you can't sustain drives, if you can't run the ball, if you can't play complementary football, then all these things are going to be a little itty-bitty, a throw here, a throw there, a moment here, a moment there. By the way, let's just kind of go through it. Allen Robinson, 7 for 81. Anthony Miller, 5 for 59. Jimmy Graham, 6 for 55. Darnell Mooney, 5 for 43. Ryan Nall, 4 for 35. Cordero Patterson, 4 for 27. Riley Ridley, 2 for 23. David Montgomery, 3 catches, 12 yards. 36 catches for 335 yards. Guess how many Cole Komet had? Zero for zero. I don't get it, man. Um, I understand he's a rookie, and I understand that you're trying to like work him into the offense and don't exactly know how to use him yet. Then don't say in a press conference that we got to get him the ball more. Don't say that because now you look inept. You look like you don't know how to get your own guy a football. And that seems silly. So just don't don't say anything. Like don't don't do it. That, that's my only recommendation. Rushing the football for the Bears. So here's an aptitude for you: twenty rushes for fifty six yards and a two point eight average. But eleven of those yards are from Barkevius Mingo on a very well designed fake punt. I will I, I have to say where the ball got handed off to Mingo on a misdirection, got a first down, and the Bears took that momentum, that beautiful special teams momentum, and had a timeout right away, and then had two false starts on a fourth down to give up the ball. Um, Or maybe that, that was a different drive. Maybe this is the one where right off of that beautiful special teams play to give them a little more juice, uh, they went three and out. I think that's what happened. So let's take away those 11 yards. That one play for 11 yards. That's 19 carries for 45 yards. And then Nick Foles, two carries for two yards, which are basically him running for his damn life and falling across the line of scrimmage. Uh, so we'll, we'll take it down to 17 carries for 45 yards. 17 carries for 45 yards. Um, what's the word? That's terrible. It's terrible. It's You can't have it. You can't do it. If you want, if like, if you wanted to be bad, if you were tanking, I'm not sure you could run worse. It's just so disheartening. What's more disheartening, an absolute inability to run the football or an inability to to complete passes? I don't know, man. At least with running the football, you're imposing some sort of physical will on the defensive football team, and you feel like down the line they might bend or break given that you're continuing to push, push, push against them. Whereas like, you know, with passing the ball like rhythm and creating any sort of continuity and uh, any sort of physical imposition, I don't know. I miss Lovey Smith. I want to get off the bus running the football. I want to score 14 points and they score 10. I want to have a safety be the difference. I give up. I give up on hoping for a quarterback-driven offensive football team. I give up on hoping for a modern NFL offense. I give up on this. I give up on this. And if I sound despondent, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to like continually go to a negative place. But when you're the team you root for is this pathetic, and there you lose hope in the in the ability to participate in the football game in any sort of feasible manner by the second quarter. I think it's time to take like a big step back and think about the big picture of this football team. 
as they fill these position groups. So now it's become quite clear that the offensive line is going to be the position group they have to flip next year. They'll have to spend all their draft capital and some free agency money on that position. By the way, they'll also be looking at the quarterback position, whether you know Mitch will be out the door. Um, Foles is under contract, so he'll be here. But whether it's a, a, a veteran to back him up or more likely a rookie, uh, a spent draft pick to um, to learn under him, those needs are going to become are are really critical. And as the Bears continue to weirdly fill one position group at a time, we're going to get to this place where we loop around and they, the defense ages out and guys come out of contract. And as soon as they've got a decent offensive line, well, they, they don't have a defensive line anymore. Oh, their cornerbacks got old. And then it'll, it'll be just a brand new leak every single year. This is honest to God position group whack-a-mole. So quarterback, uh, we whack that mole. It's popped back up somewhere else. Running back, I, I like David Montgomery, but the depth there is terrible. There's just not enough dynamic playmakers back there. They really miss Tariq Cohen um, as, as kind of a gadget player and a scat back. Wide receiver group a couple of years ago uh, spent a lot of capital on uh, Anthony Miller, who bust is the wrong word, but his inability to uh, run the right routes, his really, really problematic ball security issues, both securing the football and holding on to it. Uh, Javon Wims, he's on the bench for a couple games. Riley Ridley, active for the first time this year. Darnell Mooney is a find, but he's a slight-bodied guy, and a speed element dude, should be complimentary. And then Allen Robinson is looking for a new contract, and he'll likely get franchised next year, but maybe not. And the Bears are going to be starting all over again with that group. Uh, they whacked that mole for a while, and now it doesn't matter how good or bad those positional players are because um, they can't get them the football with any sort of regularity, and they can't let routes develop downfield. They, uh, they've they worked on – the way the defensive positional groups were built seems so much more viable. And that's the sort of thing where I'm like, is this just how it is to be a Bears fan? And no matter how you how they go about it and what they do and who's making the calls, that it just sort of works this way because those pieces kind of came in one at a time. You know, uh, this year it was a cornerback. And year before that, you know, you got – Eddie Jackson back there already. They've kind of swapped parts in and out at the opposing safety uh, position, but it's always kind of worked out. Um, you know, they're just about to age out on the defensive line with a couple different guys. Roy Robertson Harris, who wasn't able to play today, will be a free agent at the end of this year. Akeem Hicks starting to get a little bit longer in tooth, a lot more nagging injuries, still a really good player. Khalil Mack has been nicked up. Robert Quinn doesn't look like he's going to be worth the money that they spent on him. He certainly hasn't been as dynamic as they needed him to be. I would argue at this point, Mario Edwards Jr. has been the better football player. Um, I'm sure there's some statistics to suggest that the pressures of Robert Quinn, the way he pinches the pocket is actually really helpful. But up to this point, I've been wildly unimpressed. Uh, Yeah, guys, this is just going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening. And the way for it to not happen is, first of all, to have a lot more bites at the apple uh, in the in the draft. 
to maintain your draft picks or God forbid trade down and, and have a bounty so that in the upcoming years you have more than you would normally have. And then much, much more intelligent spending at the, uh, at the free agent level. Uh, Jimmy Graham doesn't like the block, doesn't like to run routes. He is the least physical large man I've ever seen in my life. Um, I'm not saying that he hasn't been valuable in a lot of respects as a pass catcher and God knows the bears needed him in the red zone, but it could be other guy, another guy. It could be a much cheaper guy. It could be Eric Ebron. As I said before, there are a number of guys that didn't cost what the bears seemingly all by themselves decided to pay for Jimmy Graham. And I would argue that, uh, he's not been worth it. And he's another in a long, long, long line of, free agent swings and misses that the bears could have spent on a host of other characters on much more critical positions, the offensive line. Um, trying to think just like off the top of my head here. So uh, Mike Davis last year, that was a wasted draft pick because the bears couldn't run the ball. Didn't matter who was carrying the ball. Now he's doing quite good for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, there've been a couple different wide receiver um not misses. I mean, Taylor Gabriel played well. I always felt like he was over-targeted in, in, for this football team, but he was paid a absolute ton of money. Um, you know, Danny Trevathan in this offseason, a really important player. He's been a lot better in November than he was in September, but that's a big chunk of change. I don't understand why the Bears can't find a chunk of change to invest in their offensive line. So uh, I, I am repeating myself and going over the same stuff over and over and over again. So let's just quit it here. Uh, the Bears next week. <laughs> the fun continues, guys. They are up against the Minnesota Vikings on uh, Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football? Is it Monday Night Football? Is that, yeah. Monday Night Football in Chicago against the Vikings and Dalvin cook ran for 200 yards today after absolutely blowing up the week before I'm terrified about that. Now the Vikings, uh, really up and down three and five so far this season. And so they've been really up and down. Kirk cousins has not been all that great. Their cornerbacks can't cover and they've had injuries there and they've got rookies all across the defensive side of the football. They've also, uh, sold off some of their parts. Everson Griffin went over to the Lions, who Minnesota beat today all the same. It, if the Bears lose to Minnesota next week, they're in real trouble. That would put them at 5-5 five and five going to Green Bay uh, for a Sunday night football game the next week. And then you're looking at 5-6, and six, and this, this season is off the rails. That would be five straight losses. So, you know must win football game in November that that's never the case but in terms of like how this team is doing and how things have been going and how sideways things feel right now they need to get right against the Vikings next Sunday night on national TV they need to make real plays in the passing game they need to make quality runs uh, uh on first and second down they need to get their offensive line mates back uh from the covid list Cody Whitehair needs to be in the game uh Jason Spriggs <laughs> God love him, needs to be back at right tackle. Jason Spriggs is a critical element of the Bears' offensive line. That's how bad it's gotten, guys. So, um, yeah, let's put it out there. Against the Vikings next week, that is a must-win football game against Kirk Cousins, Jordan Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and, God damn it, Dalvin Cook, who is an absolute man possessed uh, behind the line of scrimmage. So, uh, let's... <laughs> 
let's hope for the best. Let's hope that uh, the Bears get some of their roster back. And it is going to be an ugly week at Hallis Hall. Uh, a bunch of tough prefer- press conferences to come of guys trying to stay positive and say the right things. And um, I just, I've never seen so many shoulders slump so early in a game from so many players knowing that they really had no chance on offense today. What a bummer. Uh, pathetic showing by the Bears. Tennessee Titans, much better football team. Uh, the Bears made them look better than they are, but that's kind of where things are, guys. I think we knew they weren't a 5-1 and one football team. It just felt like an incredible opportunity to uh, enjoy good fortune in a league full of parity and push towards the playoffs. And now here we are with that more or less squandered at 5-4, and four, wondering what the steps are for to win a football game. Now, I leave you with this. This happened last year where it seemed like the Bears – no matter who was on their schedule, it was just going to be a relative impossibility to find a W anywhere on it. And I know I feel that way right now. There will be a game, there might be multiple games, where they look a little bit better than they did today. And they find their way towards that middling, forever purgatory kind of record of 7-9 and nine to 9-7. Nine and seven. And I think that's really what we're looking at this point in the season. So let's see what happens on Sunday night. I will find some way and somehow to be positive and to be kind of looking for the good things about this team uh, going into next week. But uh, they got to get that dub, man. They got to get it. They got to turn this around. Uh, They got to turn it around quick because uh, life comes at you fast. And um, if the Bears really fall off the rails here, then we're going to be talking about not just the offensive line coach, not just the quarterback, maybe the head coach, maybe on up the list. So, um, man, how thing, how quickly things change in the NFL. Uh, that's it for this week. Long week in uh, the NFL, in the world, certainly in the U.S. of A. I hope you and yours are doing well. If, uh, if you didn't get your guy, I'm sorry. If you did, I'm happy for you. But uh, can we all just kind of like be decent? I'm exhausted. It's been a long year. And I'm just looking to settle in and kind of start being kind to the people around me. So I wish that for you and yours. Everybody stay healthy, stay well. And uh, yeah, I'm going to say it. Go Bears. We'll see you. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.